Hey, this is Sarah Natelli and you're watching CMS TV. Aiken presents, and I, of course, am Chris Aiken, and uh, you know this guy over here. If you don't, you, you're just not a metal fan, and you might as well just hit escape and go to some other podcast, because this is about metal, and there's nobody more metal than this guy. He's a Grammy Award winner. He's uh, the busiest guy, or one of the busiest guys in all of heavy metal right now, with, I think, about 35 bands going at the same time. He is the one, the only, Mr. David Ellison. David, how are you, man? I am great. How are you doing there, Chris? I'm awesome, dude. It's awesome to talk to you. It's uh, it, This is the weirdest pairing, dude, the, you and Jeff, because yeah, for, forever, well, I'll, I'll tell you why. Okay. Because forever and a day, I have said that Jeff Scott Soto is the hardest working guy in metal. Right. But, but then when I list the names, you're always number two. You're always right there next to Jeff. It's usually you, Jeff, Johnny Gioelli. Those are the three guys that are always, always doing projects. And here's two of you guys finding your way together, which is, you know, is just fun, man. So I know we've talked about this before. I know we've had both you and Jeff on the show at the same time before, back when you guys were talking about putting this thing together. So maybe, maybe let's start there, man. How, how do you guys end up paired together and what made you, you know, made you two think that you could work well together um the devil made us do it that's number one uh <laughs> that's why it's a vacation in the underworld that's right <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> um yeah i guess it is funny jeff it is probably why it's so hard for us to ever do live shows and things because we're both you know we're both busy men you know we uh musicians make music you know i'm 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 not one to take kindly to criticism but oh you're so busy you're doing this it's like yeah you think i i play music for a living that's what i do you know right. um you know some of us are fortunate to have that one gig for uh for a long time forever sometimes they're not forever you know jeff and i even talked about that you know he's kind of had uh, of course he's at Bay, he was in journey he does tso so he's kind of always got the big gig things you know even sons of apollo um excuse me but you know they're not they don't occupy all this time um and you know same with me i i um i have seasons when things are busy and seasons when they're not and when they're not i mean even yesterday i was picked up my guitar and was playing along to a coolio song and ended up writing one of my own (laughs) i saw coolio on an old episode of snl i was like that's a freaking cool song gangsters in heaven or something right gangster paradise yeah yeah i was like that's a freaking cool tune man um 
I was thinking about maybe that'd be a cool cover song one day. I don't know who knows, but um, so it's just funny how when creativity comes and it got me excited, you know, I've been about a week off the road from the Kings of Thrash thing that we did. So I just kind of let my body rest and repair itself. And just out of nowhere, I picked the guitar up and there was a song, you know, so I don't force these things. And I think probably when you and I talked with Jeff, that was when we put out Swords and Tequila. I think, right. right? Mm -hmm. so, it was. so at that point, we'd already been working um, for a couple months. I think that was like April 2021. So we'd probably been working together for a, a good month, maybe six weeks on this Vacation in the Underworld album. And it was really moving along quick. And okay. it, and that's why I just said, hey, man, why don't we pop Swords and Tequila out? It's it's fun. It's a cover. We're still in the COVID quarantine at the time. And, right. you know, people are people are liking these collaborations. And, and Jeff and I never got together. This was never a COVID quarantine collaboration. You know, there were, I did a few of those, you know, with some people, just one-offs, and that's what they were intended to be. Let's do one song, we'll shoot a little playthrough video in our freaking studios or bedrooms or whatever, and we'll fire them off. That was not what this was. This was always intended to become a full-length record, a, uh, you know, exactly what it what it is. So, um, you know, Georgia Tequila was kind of tipping her hand a little bit, like, yeah, we're doing this and people they freaking loved it you know so sure. i think that that gave us confidence uh publicly to just kind of confirm what we knew was happening behind the scenes personally that we we were onto something kind of cool here absolutely man well dude obviously man between the time you recorded this and the time you released this a lot of craziness in your world which we're not gonna dig into i think that's been pretty well dealt with but i know at one point you had told me that you were thinking that you might shut it all down. You might just be like, all right, I'm done, you know, cause you were frustrated and rightly so. What was it that brought you back to not only being active and releasing this record, but getting really active again with this and Deeth and Kings of Thrash and everything else? You know, the phone rings, I answer it. I say, yes, <laughs> you know, and I've <laughs> talked about this many times you know that's just been my my marching orders as dictated to me by my friend al petrelli to say yes you know so i've told that story many times but but it's true you know it's um you know look i've been working on a lot of things um i was talking to some people just this morning and they they mentioned you know that there was this sort of a lot of people making records doing things during the co during the quarantine and now we're starting to see those things coming out and and you know look me as people i think have become accustomed i had about four things going on uh right. in the and and i mean look i i laid low for a little bit last summer but you know i kept working you know um and um you know i i i just you know like i said at the beginning of this musicians make music it's what we do you know and you, you meet look you hit speed bumps in your life professionally personally whatever uh everybody has stuff you know whatever it is and and you know you sometimes you go oh, i don't know me to do anymore i mean you know when the when megadeth ended in 2002 i remember talking to my friend Troy Lucetta from Tesla. He had just moved to Scottsdale. We became friends. Um, we'd known each other loosely in passing, uh, but we became good buddies. And, you know, he said to me when I was starting F5, he goes, he goes, man, he goes, I, I don't think you got it in you to start another band from scratch and take it all the way to the top. He goes, I just don't think you got it in you at our age. I mean, because he'd done a bunch of stuff, you know, mm -hmm. so we had a heart to heart about it, you know, and the reality, and I, I went back to the band room of the F5 guys and said, guys, listen, 
you know, I got to go to the big dance, go to the top of the mountain, see the ultimate view, and look what happened. Our band broke up. It's over, you know. I said, I think you guys need to be very realistic about what this is, you know, that you're, you know, even though I'm the famous guy in the room and people are paying attention, probably largely because I'm part of this, you, you got to very, be very realistic about, you know, the chances that this could ever go anywhere. And so I, so what I think what I got, what that got me back in touch with was just playing music for fun, you know, and as I got to know Rudy, Rudy Sarzo, um, he talked about that and he's talked about it in his interviews, just getting the joy back in his playing after being an Aussie and Whitesnake and these big, big gigs that he had, just learning to just fall in love with playing again, you know, because um, the schedules, the the sort of demands of the professional life, you know, they like, like any gig, any job, uh, you know, they can, it can, it's kind of a vampire and <laughs> it kind of sucked the life out of you. So I think, you know, this last year for me was just about kind of falling in love with, you know, just doing what I do, not only making music, just talking to you, my other friends, media people, just kind of just being comfortable, just going, yeah, you know, you know, worked on a record, this came out, going on a tour, this is what we're doing. So just kind of all of it, you know, and you, you were, you were a good friend to me last year. And I, I publicly want to thank you, you know, oh, you were, sure. You had my back. You were very, very kind to me. And I was kind of checking, you okay, dude? You all right? You know what I mean? So, <laughs> you know, I, I appreciate that. And, you know, hey, this too shall pass. You know, it's, you know, it's, um, it's that, that saying, you know, the tough times never last, but the tough people do, you know. Right so, on. You know, weather the storm, you move on. Exactly, man. No, you're, you're so right, man. And, you know, I, I, for you, you know, like you said, you've obviously been to the highest of the highs. You know, I, I mean, obviously, Megadeth, your time in Megadeth is the time in Megadeth. It's the highest highs. Doing it now without all the, I'll call it pampering for lack of a better term, but without the, you know, the really nice tour buses or the plane flights or the super high-end rooms, just to where it's all about just the music and then grinding it out more or less you know mm -hmm. outside of the time that you're on stage do you like that time or do you miss the big show or or do you like it more because there's not as much pressure on you as there was when you were because you know when you're at the top there's always that pressure there's 400 mm -hmm. record company guys that are in your ear telling you why you have to do the same thing again to match it or beat it well, make no mistake, I travel very comfortable. <laughs> you know, I, I learned over the years, if I'm going to keep going, I'm going to be comfortable in my life. And I am, you know, so I've been very blessed with that. Um, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, I, I make sure I'm take, I take care of myself and those around me, you know. Um, you know, like we just did the Kings of Thrash tour last week, you know. It's like, look, we got a bus and a crew and, you know, we got a real manager and a real agent. I mean, it's a real gig, you know. It's We're going to go out and do it right. You know, we're older guys now and we've paid our dues in the trenches before. And, and it's it's fun for me and Jeff and Chris to go out as as kind of the old guard and, and sort of relive, especially when we're at the Whiskey Man. I mean, dude, that was like 1986 fucking thrash metal punk rock all the way. I was saying to me and Chris Paul were looking out going, dude. It's the fucking peace cells tour all over again. I mean, people stay diving and moshing and just freaking going nuts. People said he goes, Man, I haven't seen the whiskey like that in maybe ever. You know what I mean? Right. Like that one of the best shows to hit the whiskey in a long, long time. And 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 you know, and, and we could just stand there and just go, you know, 
this is what it was. This is what it will always be when we play these songs together. And and so, you know, to get that, that's the payoff. You know, mm-hmm. again, the fact that you can get on a bus or go back to a nice hotel, look, those are those are the, the comforts that are, you know, at our age, we've paid the dues. We can afford to, you know, to have those nicer things in life. But, um, <clears throat> you know, it's that's the payoff is to stand there. You know, bring up a couple of young bucks like Fred on drums and Chaz singing, you know, to, you know, kind of introduce these guys. Because you know, Chaz has played in a Megadeth tribute band, so he kind of knows it a little bit. But to sure. stand up there, real guys playing the real songs the right way uh, with all of the scrutiny and attention on it and to step up and deliver. I mean, that that was a crowning moment for them and a proud moment for us to to, to have these these dudes up there. Like, like Jeff says, it's kind of like Ozzy discovering Randy Rhodes. You know what I mean? When you when you get young talent, that's like, man, these guys—they're freaking—they're doing it. They've they've done the work. They've they've got the abilities to do it, and uh, you know, to usher in some new guys that uh, you know that they have the heart for it. They get the passion for it, and sure. that's, that's the thing, man. Is it when the passion's gone, just fucking go home, man. You know. Right. So I think all these things, Chris, it's like. If the passion's there, same with me and Jeff and everything and Lucid, it's like, you know, when the passion's there and you're excited, fuck, that's what drives the whole thing, man. It's not, it's not, the other shit can just be a pain in the ass, to be honest with you. The expectations, mm-hmm. somebody trying to take someone else solo because, you know, they let's take them solo, we can make more money. I mean, that dude, that's the rock star movie with Mark Wahlberg and Jennifer right. Addison, right? <laughs> you know, he's going solo, you know, it's like, oh, God. So, uh, you know, so I think we've already been through all that shit. So I think there's a part of us now at this age and at this point in our lives where it's like the fact that people want to show up and still hear us play and play our songs. And let's face it, our songs are going to outlive us. You sure. know, so the fact that we're the ones who still get to go up and play them, man, win all the way. Beautiful. Amen. Does this does the success that you had with the Kings of Thrash, the the little short run, does that spark? I, I know I I saw somewhere that you're going to record an original song, or at mm. least I think I read that. And um, yeah. I'm assuming then that that something was sparked there where you feel really good about the energy to do that with those guys again. No, 100. percent I mean, look, well, as soon as we put it up, I mean, people were like, "Oh my God, bring it to Cleveland, bring it to London, bring it to Chile, bring it to Japan." You know, so that right. there, that was a telltale. You can you can kind of tell you know, kind of get a temperature on stuff. And, you know, that's why we just did these four shows, just a little circle out here in the West. Let's just fire it off where we can kind of manage it. And, and you know, let's let's see how it goes. And, I mean, every show built to a bigger crescendo. So by the time we ended, it was like sold out and people were fucking rocking. And and it felt like the old days, as it should. You know, that's, that's you know, you go to most shows now, everything's so corporate. That it's like, you know, some chick gets up on her boyfriend's shoulders and, you know, God forbid she flash her shirt, you know. But even if she gets up on her freaking boyfriend's shoulder, they're already flashlighting her. Get down, get down. We can't have (laughs) fire. You know, because there's freaking wires and all this shit. And it's just like, are you kidding me? It's like, you know, that's why, again, it was fun to just play those gigs this last week because it was the real heart and soul and spirit of of what that music was, where it started. You know, it was... this moment where punks and metalheads, they it was these, you know, allied forces together and just all that went with it. And it was just great to experience it again, man. <laughs> you know, and uh, and to see that 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 there's a younger generation coming up that don't give up. 
fuck about any of the other bullshit and they they don't care they just want to fucking thrash and rock and and it's right. it's see that life moving past all that you know and it's like that 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 that's that spirit we grew up with is is still alive and well and being reincarnated now with it with the next generation do you think it's solely about the music or do you think a lot of it is also the <laughs> explosion of i can finally get out again yeah, certainly that's probably some of it and look you see how people dress man i mean shit even you know on rat pack they even did it in our ellison soda record putting you know not only guitar picks but jean jacket patches and you know what i mean right. it's 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 all dude it's a dress code man it's like you know when you go into the club you know people showing up in their fucking denim vests with their merciful fate and venom and you know killing is my business patches on and you know and and it's it's, it's just cool i mean sometimes that's people just wanting to kind of relive what an era they didn't get to grow up in but man you can tell a person's heart when you see that you know if you're dressing in kind of groovy gear and bell bottoms and you're like a 70s fan or if you're dressing in you know skinny jeans and high tops and bullet belts and you want to go fucking you know play thrash metal it's like you know you can kind of get a read on on your audience you know so it's uh it was just you know it's it's great to see that and especially you know as we start new things you know jeff and i did a tour over in italy back in right. um back in september and it was this one moment where we had some some time we could do it together and it came together quickly we're playing these you know these cool uh venues over in italy um you know the italians are a spirited people anyway they they freaking love this this kind of music um they don't get a lot of this stuff like especially over in turin you know i remember playing oh. turin with metallica back in like 93 when we did these dates over there with them um but you know that's not a city it's kind of like tucson you know they don't they don't get every tour they or you know bakersfield california they don't right. get every show that comes through you know so the fact that we drove there and fired off a gig for them man they were stoked they were appreciative so you know to me the size of the venue and all that that really is you know and i can probably say it because i've gotten to play all the big places so i've experienced it and now i can compare it and it's you know look standing on big stages with the big four fucking awesome not gonna lie but you sure. know to play to a few hundred people in turin italy just as awesome you know what i mean especially when we're playing brand new songs there are songs and um introducing these people to new music they haven't even heard because the record wasn't even out yet right and the fact that by the end of the night man they're into it they're digging it they're having a great time and you know to me that's that's what they pay us to do man that's sure. that's what our job is is the one-on-one -on -one individual energy from a smaller crowd as as potent as a you know a Vakken festival where it's a hundred thousand people but it's just a big roar of noise and you really don't have any connection to it you know they're they all have their place and they're they're all awesome you know uh to walk out on those big decks and you know it's almost like an oil painting there's so many people you know some people you know what i mean it's just like it doesn't even look real you know what i mean you can almost see the curvature of the earth at the back of the freaking you know back of the stadium or the you know the field of people you know those are fantastic of course um and yet at the same time again you know to play um 
you know, it's what we did last week, firing off at brick by brick, small, cool little rock club in San Diego by the beach, and people just losing their minds going, oh, my God, I can't believe we're getting to experience these songs that we never thought we'd hear again. And, oh, my God, there they are. Those are the real guys right there, right. Jeff, Chris, you know, Chris, oh, my God. And to just see that, you know, um, is, is to know you're delivering to them a, a kind of once-in-a-lifetime experience, you know, that that's something they're going to take to the grave with them. That, that experience right there to that fan meant everything. And it only cost them 30 bucks. It didn't cost them 300 bucks. You know, right. they, they could still afford a shirt, a beer, and a hamburger, you know, and a pack of smokes, you know what I mean? Whatever they do, and, and right. or a vape, whatever. And uh, they could come out, and it didn't kill their bank account, and they got to take home a memory for the rest of their lives. I mean, that's what a, what a cool job we have to be able to do that for people. Amen, man. Well, dude, I swear we're going to pull this around to uh, to Vacation in the Underworld, the new release from Ellison Soto. Why don't we do this, man? Why don't we take a quick break and give people a taste of the of the Ellison Soto? Why don't we play Like a Bullet, man? There it is. And, there you go. What what can you tell me about this song other than it's awesome? <laughs> you know, thank you. You know, it's funny. It was one of Joe from Rat Pack. So Rat Pack's a single-owned record company, which is what I love about it. And Joe and I have been friends for years, and we've been threatening to try to work together. And finally, I, I said him this one. I go, dude, I think I got one. And uh, nice. he hit me back. He goes, dude, I, I love this record. And this was his well, he had one of his favorite songs. He goes, dude, Like a Bullet is the shit. And so... Um, we did a video for it. It's one of the one of the singles. So, um, um, you know, um, it's just kind of a cool riff with a great melody, and it's like one of these empowering anthems to like stand up and be bigger than the problem around you. Amen. Well, let's check it out right now. It is Ellison Soto. It's like a bullet right here on Krizaka Presents. Like a Bullet, that is brand new material from Ellison Soto. The album is Vacation in the Underworld. Go and buy it, and I do mean buy it. Don't just stream it. I'm sure they'd like the streams, but they'd rather the sales. So go and buy this one, please. And while you're out buying it, uh, you can read on the the album artwork that that you guys, David, uh, worked with Chris Collier, who's mm -hmm. working with tons and tons of people these days and putting out great material all over the place what was it that that led you you and jeff to uh decide to work with him well actually uh rat pack had had suggested him because okay we, when we submitted the tracks they were i think in his mind kind of rough mixes um which which was fine um 
And so he said, I'd, I'd like Chris to do it. He's, his ears are great. And so it was great to meet him. I certainly know of him. He's worked with a lot of my friends, corn, all kinds of different people. Sure. Um, and so it was fun. And he's just over in Las Vegas, which is not far from me. So we spend a lot of time, a lot of late nights as he was doing mixes, you know, kind of sending stuff back and forth, tweaking on little things. And, and, um, you know, it was fun because, you know, um, sometimes the reason you bring in an outside mixer rather than the person who engineered or maybe even produced the record is to have this sort of discerning outside ear. And, uh -huh. and he was just that as well as his talents actually, you know, mixing. Um, and what was fun was he and I was, we were putting together the track listing. We're going, okay, we got these, we got CD vinyl, um, then the digital where we'll kind of put everything up. Um, how do we, how do we lay the record out? And for me, I wanted Vacation in the Underworld to be the opening track. It's, it's, it, to me, it's as a title track. It's just, it just, it lays right there. And then, um, and then, you know, working through, you know, like a bullet sharp in the sword, the reason, STN and all this stuff, kind of trying to get the, because when you're laying out the record, you know, you want it to be this journey. Cause this, this, this is very much an album, uh, project it's not a singles it's not a singles record you know it's right. it's very much a listening process so to just it was fun to work with chris putting the the running order together um and deciding and i think it was probably just as hard to kind of go which ones wouldn't go on the album <laughs> you know right. they were, like these are these are they're great but I just can't see writing on the wall going right after the revolution. Like, where are we going to put it? Well, we're going to have to move that to digital, you know? Um, so, um, yeah, Chris is glad you brought him up because he was, he was truly a vital component of, of getting the sound. And again, the running order and kind of putting, you know, piece, putting it together as a, as a, as a full listening experience. Sure. Do you like for, for yourself? Yeah. I mean, you're somebody that's worked with, you know, everybody really, you know, everybody uh, of the, of the famous producers and mixers and you know, whatnot. Do you like bringing in new guys that are, that have created sounds that don't match like uh, Collier's the reason I brought him up was his, his body of work doesn't sonically match what you do, which could right. go one of two ways. It could go as, I know. well, that's a challenge or, yeah. Or that could be a mess, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, well, and it worked, but no, you're, you're you're right. It's funny. I'm reading I'm reading the Steve Lukather book right now, right? His sure. memoir. I, mm -hmm. I, uh, I I I I just savored every word of the Eddie Van Halen the Eruption book that uh, Chris Gill and Brad Talinsky wrote. I didn't want it to end, and I finally had to let it end. <laughs> and so, I, and I, I've been also at the same time reading the Steve Lukather book, and I love Steve and. Um, and his story, and he talks about a total record that they made. They, they hired the engineer who worked under, uh, Roy Thomas Baker and Roy, of course, did Queen, Bohemian Journey, Rhapsody, right. Journey, the cars, these, these huge records. So they hired his engineer, um, and it went that way. They got a record that did not sound good. It was a pretty much a dud. Uh, it had no single, you know, it, it didn't go that way. So you're right. You can get that um that that experience you know with chris you know once he sent a mix over it was like okay i see where it is and again we tightened a couple things up and i had a few you know kind of points about it um i said one just always make it sound like it's me playing bass you know don't mm -hmm. 
you know, I don't, I don't have an anonymous tone. You know, you can kind of tell my personality through the playing. Sure. Um, and I, and one of the things I loved about what he did is he placed because our guitars are big. I mean, Andy is a ferocious. I mean, the guy's a boxer, man. So I mean, he plays guitar like he fucking lives. He's a, he's in your face. He's fucking just he's ferocious, you know. And and so to get Jeff as you know as big as so we got big bass, big guitars, big vocal, right? All right, there's got you got to make room for this stuff. And Chris found a place where Jeff's vocal just came right out and just spoke right to 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 me, you know. And I was like, man. I'm not even going to ask how you did that, but thank you for doing that because he, he got the guitars placed right so that there's a nice space down the middle for Jeff to come right out and sing. And um, I said, you know, a record like this, especially with both of our names on it, obviously you need to hear that it's us. And it's kind of unusual that it would be a bass player and a singer. Um, usually it's like a guitar player and a singer sure. or something like that. So. Um, but I think Chris found a really nice place for everything. And, um, and you know, the drum sound is phenomenal. Um, and you know, that's how you can tell cheap records is in the drum tone, mm-hmm. you know, and, 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 uh, and our drum tone's great. It's as much as we had to record it separately. Uh, it's, it's, you know, the, the time and the efforts, uh, which in another day and time would equal money in the studio is definitely there. So, I mean, this is, it's definitely a money record for sure. Sure. You know, you mentioned the drumming and it's Fred aching that's playing the drums, right? Actually, right? this is, this is Paulo. Uh, Fred, Fred plays in, in Kings of Thrash, uh, okay. and, Bull- and Bullet Boys as well. But, uh, Paulo Carini, who is, uh, who Andy brought in, uh, from Italy and he's phenomenal. I mean, my first, my first playing with Paulo, I did a bass story show in Mil- in Milan, and uh, I called Andy. He put the band together for me, and just to kind of warm up at sound check, I said, "Let's play Wrathchild by Iron Maiden." Paulo counted, and Paulo doesn't speak; he speaks better English now. But back then, he did, he could barely speak any English, so I'd have to communicate through Andy to, to Paulo. Right, and uh, he counted off Wrathchild, and when he started playing it, I was like. Is that fucking Clive Burr back there? I mean, this guy <laughs> fucking had the pocket. I was like, I want to use him for everything. Like, he's amazing, you know? So just a guy that I just, I mean, just, it was effortless, just fell into the pocket and, and you know, understood. Because what it is on that, and I'll speak of, you know, Clive Burr had had obviously a very distinctive sound in those early Maiden records. Oh, of course. Right? And, and there's a thing about how, I forget. Is it like ticket, ticket? I think it's like playing the sixteenth notes with one hand. He's it's not a two-handed disco. Right. It's like a ticket, ticket, Right. So he knew how to fucking play it like that because the spacing in between each hi hat hit, each note, if you will, is going to have a different fucking intensity to it when you're playing it one hand versus kind of the two hand. Same like when you pick, when you down pick, it's going to have a, a a more ferocious sound than if you just kind of back and forth butterfly it. Right. So, right. 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 Anyway, long story about Paulo, but that's how we got the gig as the drummer. <laughs> there very, you go. very good, man. Well, well, dude, since you have five hundred other really other bands, let's let's talk about a couple of them real quick. Um, sure. Uh, you you came out of nowhere with Deeth, which is just brutality unlimited. Probably the heaviest thing you've done since Temple of Brutality, I would think. Yeah. And then 
then you recorded an album while you were while you were running around the world. You just decided right. to what hit Poland and <laughs> yeah, let's record a record while I'm here. So yeah. talk talk a little bit about Deeth and you know how do you know these guys? Sure. Okay. So actually, the name as we pronounce it is Dieth. Oh, it's right? Dieth. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like Dieth, like uh, oh. you know, think like Hamlet, Shakespeare, right? Okay. Right. Dieth. So that's Dieth, right? Okay. Um, that's 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 the <laughs> excuse me the name. Um, so Christian from uh, Dead by Wednesday had introduced me to uh, Glarme, the guitar player who was in Entombed AD. Okay. Um, his singer Lars had uh, passed from cancer uh, fairly recently. Um, he was just kind of like sort of going, oh, my God, like my gig is over. My life as I knew it is over. And so he was kind of rebooting, writing some stuff. Uh, Mihal, the drummer, was also in Decapitated. Uh, phenomenal drummer. Um and so they sent me a song, and I played bass on it, and that's um, in the Hall of the Hanging Serpent. And um, that's, you know, I, I, we, it, we, when he sent it back mixed, you know, Glarame was just like, he goes, man, guys, this sounds really good. Maybe we should do more. I said, done. So we started sending some tracks. And, and I was over in Europe in uh, April, and I, I called uh, – G-Man, as I call him, Glarame, G-Man. I said, yo, G, let's, uh, I said, he said, if we're going to make a video, why don't I just fly over there uh, to Poland? I said, I'm in Germany. Why don't I just fly over and we'll fucking make a video? He goes, done. So, dude, he put that whole video together, the, the you know, the director and the, the nightclub where we filmed it. And, uh, you know, he's, he's a fucking sharp guy, man. I mean, he's uh-huh. got really good instincts on this stuff. And, um, and, I, and for me as an American musician, it's, I love working over there in Europe. In fact, I'm actually going over there at the end of uh, November, going over to shoot some music videos. And, um, <clears throat> and, and I, I was just there, uh, back in, uh, September and, and, uh, yeah, back in September, uh, for a couple of weeks, we finished recording the album with uh, right. Christian Kohler up in uh actually just south of frankfurt where his studio is so it, it's it's great working over there because nowhere in that sphere is any talk of like well what's the single where's the radio hit we you know all this right. kind of and you know because those are the drivers that sell records here you know is it used to be mtv not so mm-hmm. much obviously but <laughs> certainly you know is there a single radio what's the video um so it's so great working with those guys because first of all lyrically it it, it, there's nothing this side of the atlantic i mean it's everything over there and as you hear like with um behemoth obviously merciful fate you know there's these there's religious and political things that are very real to them that they've experienced over there as as europeans that we know nothing about we weren't even a country when that shit was going down, right? right? So these guys have a historical depth to them, and that comes through in the lyrics. It comes through in the fucking darkness and, and the heaviness of the music. And man, I, I'm just thrilled to be part of that because you know we base it out of Gdańsk, uh, Poland, which is a town up in the very north of uh, of Poland. Um, and you know, so to just be working with guys that their fucking fabric of their being is just so deep into that culture, sure. man. It's just, I, I, I love it. It's just, it's such a cool thing, man. I love it. 
and when when do you expect that we'll we'll hear that that music? Uh, Napalm is saying June twenty twenty three. Okay, so so yep. a, wh- a while still. <laughs> well, it's a while, but you know, again, we just finished the record. We're going to start mixing now. Okay. Um, that's why we're getting all the you know we got to shoot videos, we got photos, mm-hmm. artwork. You know, there's deadlines of this stuff, and you know, most of this stuff we're trying to get done here through the end of this year um, so that we can get it in the hands of Napalm and then it's right. up for them. And, and them being a, you know, they're a great label, obviously, sure. especially for music. You know, they, you know, their schedules, you know, they, they look at stuff, you know, nine to 12 months out on their projections, you know? So, um, you know, it's as much as it seems like a long ways away. I mean, frick, we're texting and working on shit every day. With, for right. That thing, you know? So it's, it's, uh, but it's fun, man. It's, it's super cool. And, uh, you know, I love, I just, I love traveling over there. It's fun to just be, be in, be in their realm and right. sort of take off my American hat, you know? And, <laughs> right. You know, I tell people, tell people that all the time. It's like, you know, man, if, you know, if, if, especially for us Americans, you know, it's like, you know, it'll do you good to travel outside of our country and, and understand that there's cultures and, you know, these people, these, these places have been countries, we're only a couple hundred years old, you know, we're mm-hmm. like newbies. You know what I mean? So it's like really see part part of this this culture and how uh, how the other half lives, man. I think it's cool, and that's that's one of the gifts I think of being a musician is traveling sure. the world and being a part of that. No. You know? oh, you're right, man. Well, let's go to your other other band, um, the one that was going strong and got derailed by by Drew's health thing. I'm, of course, I'm talking about the Lucid. Um, where right. where are we at with that? Other than we're we're probably both very <laughs> happy that Drew's okay, but. Yeah, you know, number one. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'll, no, 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 number one. That's for sure. Yeah, he's fine. You know, it just it it sucks for all of us, especially sure. for him, because this was the poor the poor guy has had. He's been part of so many cool things when he was in Bang Tango. Then he was working with Stephen Chirot from Kick Tracy. They had a a thing going, and then the Lucid just kind of very effortlessly and organically just kind of got got its wings, you know, and mm-hmm. people like the sound of it. Um, and it just sucks that right as we're going to go do some shows and kind of prop it up and give it a look, you know, he got, he had his testicular cancer. Unfortunately, the surgery took care of it. He's good. It, nothing spread. He's healthy and right. uh, young man. So he's, he's good to go. It seems like, uh, for now or, you know, for, from now on, which is great. Um, but, uh, we have an EP that we did and, um, I think we're going to pop that out before the end of the year. Um, okay. Our our goal was to do it back in May when we had the shows, and then we were just kind of waiting for a little window, and it kind of looks like, you know, sometime here before the end of the year will be the will be the time to do it. And it's good. It's it's got some cool stuff, really cool stuff on it. So I'm actually looking forward to having it come out. Are you thinking that you guys might be able to reconstitute what the plans were and for, as far as getting out and playing a handful of shows and test testing the waters with it, or is it kind of yeah. over? No, no, no. I, I think so. Um, you know, I think all of these things live and, and unless you decide to kill them off, you know, and, and right. I try not to kill any of this shit off, you know. I mean, I try to just keep it all going, you know. Some of them are meant to be just for a for a, a season and for a reason, and other times things get legs and keep going, you know. Um, with, uh, with the Lucid, um, it's, you know, Mike now, of course, is super busy with Raven. They just mm-hmm. do the record. 
they're out working. So that's what a lot of these things are for most of the guys, you know, when you get to our age is everybody's got four other gigs and other right. things are doing, you know, so, um, but yeah, we've, we've been talking about doing some, some shows. I mean, nobody's busier. Probably the, the fourth guy you should add to the most busy list is Vin from sponge. Cause I mean, yeah. sponge is always working. I mean, those right. guys are always out and just trying to even get a weekend or two with him was, it's hard because, you know, of course, Sponge is popular, you know, and they're, they're working. So it's just always a matter of finding that little window where we can just grab a weekend or two and whack a couple shows in there, you know. It's unbelievable the amount of guys that you're working with that are like all of you trying to say, well, if we can find one day in the next six months. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? <laughs> I mean, like with me and Jeff, it's like I knew, dude, he was playing in Armenia, you know, with Sons right. of a right it was in fucking armenia and that's what i went wait 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 hold on just stay there i'll fly over to italy and then we'll do these shows <laughs> you know so it's like it's we're never gonna make it happen here so we'll do it over on that side of the world and, and i'm like fuck it i can i'm up for a plate of pasta and hanging with andy and let's go you know so we go to italy and <laughs> and so that's you know that's how this works because then jeff came home and he got busy again with uh with beeler and now he's going off into trans-siberian orchestra so I know it. It is. You're. You're. It's like a, again. It's like being a dispatcher with a fucking calendar, looking at right. everybody's. <laughs> it's it's 4D chess, more or less, putting that schedule <laughs> <Yeah>. together. <laughs> totally. Totally. Nice. Well, dude, obviously, man, you're super busy with 400 projects, and you've got for for now. We will promote uh, vacation in the underworld. It is Ellis and Soto. It is a fantastic record. I really do love it, and. Thank yeah, you. you could even if you weren't on it, you couldn't sell me wrong because Soto's my favorite singer out there today. He's so he great, so talented, he? man. He's so great. That's why Andy Martin Jelly is like, dude, just call Jeff. He's like the fucking best guy for this kind of music. <laughs> I mean, he's the best in the business for this kind of power metal stuff. And yeah. I was like, yeah, you're right, you know. And and I'm a fan of his, you know what I mean? So it's funny, there's a part of me that I was kind of like, God, I don't know, what if he says no? What if he doesn't want to work with us? Or you know, <laughs> but he's, he's he's such a good dude, man. Sure. And, and like well, all is, of us, I, like and when it, you're making good music, it just it it the story just tells itself. You know? Sure, and and I, I the probably my favorite, my personal favorite part of this record is the fact that it's metal, which Jeff has gotten away from for a while. You know, he's been doing Wet, and he's been doing his mm -hmm. you know his solo stuff is obviously you know mellower or AOR yeah. rock, and and even Sons, while it's metal, it's you know more dream theatery. You it know, totally is. You this know, he brought, that, he brought that up as we were driving around Italy with Andy as he goes, man, I'm like the most unmetal metal singer because, you know, I didn't grow up with this stuff. I, grew, I mean, he knew, of course, of sure. you know, Bruce Dickinson and, you know, Bob Alford and all this stuff. But, um, you know, and that's kind of where I, probably guys like you and me, we see him more in that. In that mm -hmm. show. But in his mind, and I think a lot of the gigs, like you say, his solo records, you know, they're they're not really metal records and like you said he goes i didn't really grow up so much of of a metal singer um i just got the calls to do metal gigs and <laughs> so I, I agree with you man i think it's great to get jeff back fucking let's put him in the sweet spot where we all know him to be and i'm i'm proud that, that this is a record we could have done that with him absolutely as long as he doesn't get the call from queen maybe he'll stay with this for a while <laughs> I think that would be his ultimate win. I, huh. And you know what? It's like, God bless the brother. Just give me some tickets so I can yeah. hang out. You <laughs> no question. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, obviously, man, one more time. Vacation in the underworld. It is Ellison Soto. And where should we tell people to go, man, to uh, 
to get the record and to keep up with you and tour dates for your 33 bands and all that stuff. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, davidolson.com has pretty much all of it there. Facebook, there's a David Olson page. Uh, Ellison Soto has a page. Um, Kings of Thrash, Dieth, all these things. And now that we've done the interview, we've kind of laid out the calendar for the next year of my right. life. So if anybody <laughs> needs to have, they can reference back to this interview. So. There we go. <laughs> well, dude, let's finish this one up by playing the title track, the video for the title track, Vacation in the Underworld. Um, tell me a little bit about the video. Sure, yeah. The um, Well, it's, it's interesting. The song, um, so my friend Steve Conley, who I was in F5 with, yeah. um, is now in Flotsam and Jetsam. He actually... Uh, came to me with this music uh, and asked me to play bass on it, uh, which is funny. That's how F5 formed. He came to me with a song because he wanted to audition for Rob Halford at the time. He was looking for a new guitar player. I played on a track and we formed a band, F5. Right. Uh, so he sends me a song, you know, 20 years later, and I go, dude, can I have Jeff Scott Soto sing on that? Because I think he'll knock this out of the park. And that basically completed in a way the circle wow. of the stuff me and jeff were working on it, it it's funny how that song it kind of came in the door later to be honest with you but it, it sort of was like man that is that is the fucking sweet spot of this whole thing right there so it created a nice uh artwork a, a theme lyrically a nice theme for it um and and musically i think is is a great needle drop to hear it and and ironically on this track this is actually ken mary playing drums on this okay because um, when 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 uh steve sent the song over it had the drums from ken i've known ken on the p-cells tour when alice cooper took us out with the constrictor tour for him ken was his drummer so i've known ken for years he lives 15 minutes down the street from here uh, oh yeah funny how these <laughs> friendships just hover around you know right yeah. <laughs> very cool well, let's check it out right now it is vacation in the underworld ellison soto and david ellison thanks for joining me as always on chris aker presents